Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. First one is identifying the emotion. Second one is making sure that it links up with value. And then the third one is actually developing a plan for encouraging people to feel that emotion. Listen, be sincere, be empathetic, and be proactive. And I would even go so far as to say that is the key reason why a lot of programs don't succeed because no one has defined what success looks like and therefore how is it going to be measured and everything else. And people are just doing stuff as opposed to doing specific stuff. So Colin, you know how big we are in promoting data as a way of making decisions. Absolutely. Really fundamental. Well, I've got a great idea and I think we should collect some data on it. I think that there's a real opportunity for us to grow the podcast in the direction of more lizard owners. I think there's a real growth opportunity for us. Lizard owners? Why lizard owners? I I don't know. That's why I want to collect some data. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Luckily, we've got an opportunity here. Uh, YouGov has approached us and invited us to work with them and collecting data in any way we see fit. And I think we should use that to look into uh, lizard owners. And if you would like $500 off your first survey, then all you need to do is to go to yougov.com backslash ICP. That is yougov.com backslash ICP. And you'll get $500 off your first survey today. You know my view, mate, which is many organizations don't spend enough time gathering data. Absolutely. And part of the reason that they don't do that is because they think it's going to take a hell of a long time. And the thing I'm really pleased about is that YouGov have got a great self-service platform that helps you to create targeted surveys within minutes and get the answers within hours, which really means that you can test things and test things frequently. And the really good news is you pay as little as $1.50 per respondent. Go to yougov.com backslash ICP and you will get $500 off your first survey today. And we're going to learn so much about lizards and their owners. Ryan, we've got a really interesting pickle today. Great. And this is something that um, I think a lot of people struggle with. So I I genuinely hope this is going to help a a number of people. Is this interior decorating questions? Because I know a lot of people struggle with that. I'm not sure (laughs) you and I are best positioned to answer, but I will do my best. Uh, Well, it could be classed as interior decorating because it depends on the effect that the interior decorating has, because this is around evoking emotions. Uh. Okay. So that was a very we, nice tie-in, by the way, Colin. That it was, was, wasn't it? Way, way to bring that back on track. Um, what a professional, eh? What a professional. 
I'm just here messing things up and you just tidy up after me. I, I appreciate the roles we're in. Yes. goes to show that when you've had some interior decorators around and then you find some major problems with it, which I've had many times, it does evoke many emotions and most of them aren't very good. So anyway, we've got a, we've got a pickle from Bob Black. And a pickle, by the way, for anybody that's interested in dropping us a line, is basically a business problem. And Bob's business problem is uh, he basically says that he totally agrees with the concept of evoking customer emotions. But where he's getting stuck is how does he do this practically? So understands the concept, thinks it's the right thing. But how do you evoke a specific customer emotion? And in my experience, this is an area where lots of organizations fail. Most people would go, yep, customer emotions are really important. And then when you start to have a conversation with them, which is like, well, one of my next key questions would be, well, what emotion are you trying to evoke? They typically would just talk about positive emotions and negative emotions rather than what I think you have to get into is specific emotions things like trust or cared for or feeling valued or a number of those different things. Yeah, and to, to emphasize like that, there is science to back that up. Researchers who study emotions get very specific about what they're talking about. So one of the examples that I, I tend to use is um, the difference between anger and sadness. Both of those are negative emotions, uh, negatively valenced. But anger is a hot emotion. It incites action. Uh, people tend to lash out or or behave based on that. Whereas uh, sadness is a depressive emotion. It tends to lead to inaction. It tends to be cooler and um, lead to more withdrawal. So these are, if you're just focusing on positive and negative, and you know that your customers are feeling a negative emotion, that's not going to help you address that. Um, you need to kind of know which negative emotion they're feeling so that you can develop strategies around that. And the same yeah. is on, on the positive yeah. side. I guess at the end of the day, then people wouldn't have bothered trying to understand all of the different emotions that there are out there if you didn't want to do something with them or understand the actions of an individual, would you? The people who study these things are psychologists, and I can't, um, I, I wouldn't claim to try to understand the motivations of psychologists. So I don't know. <laughs> I say that joking around, I, I'm obviously a consumer psychologist, but I've, I'm more of a cold cognition guy. So my interests tend to be a little bit more dry. I like context effects. I like framing effects. I like playing around with, with language and with format. I admire a lot the people who study things like emotion, because in my opinion, that those, those are harder things to study. Um, getting a genuine emotional reaction from someone in a controlled setting so that you can understand what causes that and how they respond to it uh, that, that's hard work i'm glad that other people are doing it but i'll um i'll not let's try to progress the conversation then because and and let me impart some knowledge to you because when we started to look into this whole area of customer emotions this was back in well, in fact, my first book, we talked about customer emotions. That, so that's back in 2002. Uh, so that long ago. Not a lot of people know this, but no one felt emotions before 2002. <laughs> it's Colin who discovered those. We're all great. Absolutely. 
But no, it wasn't me that discovered. But it wasn't the a discussion at that point, right? I mean, this it wasn't. Is not, when we talk about customer experience at that point, my assumption is if people are talking about it at all, we're talking about processes and systems and not yeah. customer emotional response. And if I'm honest, in the main, it still hasn't shifted anywhere near enough. And how does that make you feel, Colin? Well, there you go. Frustrated. Oh, there you go. So when we started to look into the whole area, because I started to go into going, right, actually, we need to think about, you know, not just positive and negative emotions. And we started to talk with people in the UK, the chair of consumer psychology in the in the UK. One thing I discovered was that there was apparently there's 150 different emotions, but it there's no sort of official this is i haven't checked it since there's no official list you know there's no sort of there are givens like anger and frustration and trust and stuff like that but there's no like yes we've now blessed this as a as an official list of emotions and i was actually quite surprised how vague it all was given the amount of attention from the scientific community which I wouldn't put myself in, is actually still quite vague. One of the things that we did, and and I would, Bob, I think what you've got to do, and I would highly recommend that any anybody listening to this podcast does, is the first thing you've got to do is to decide which emotions to evoke, okay? Because there are over 150 out there, and they do vary in many different degrees. And this then goes back to, and I'm not going to spend loads of time on this because I do want to get into the practical stuff that Bob requested, but this then goes back to the work we did back in 2005 when we started to look into this, which was to turn around and say, well, which emotions drive value? Okay, so in a business context, which emotions drive value? And when I say in a business context, I mean people, customer experience context, so whether that's B2B or B2C. And what we discovered was that there are 20 emotions that drive and destroy value. I'm not going to go into all of them now. We will put this in, uh, we'll put a diagram in the newsletter. So our newsletter is called Why Customers Buy. And this is on LinkedIn. So if you if you want to find this out, then just go to LinkedIn, look up Colin Shaw or look up the newsletter, uh, Why Customers Buy. We will have it in there. So we discovered that there are 20 emotions that drive and destroy value. Things like trust, cared for, customer feeling valued, frustration, satisfaction, a number of others uh, as well, irritation, etc. And we've been doing that type of research ever since then. Not going to spend loads of time doing this. I think at some point we will do, uh, we'll take a deeper dive into how to ascertain how to find out what things drive value. But the key message here, Bob, is you need to evoke an emotion that you can prove drives value. And when I say value, I mean that you get a return. So in other words, revenue goes up, profitability goes up, costs go down, whatever it may may be. Net promoter goes up, customer satisfaction goes up. Something that you you want to measure as value goes up that's important so for the sake of this conversation let's assume that we're trying to make a customer feel trust or feeling cared for or feeling valued and to go on to bob's question so how do you physically do that so we've now determined that trust 
and cared for is the emotion we're trying to evoke. How in the hell do I make a customer feel then? I'm conscious, mate, I'm doing a lot of talking. And you know what? Once I've got the bit between my teeth, I'm never going to stop. So I'm going to break occasionally and make sure you're awake. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I'm, I've assumed that I have to just wait until you run out of air and then, uh, <laughs> and then you're about ready to... to... No, I, I do know that this is something that you care very deeply about and are very knowledgeable about. This is work that you've been doing for a while. No, I, I, I love the three-part step. In fact, I, I would encourage you to kind of repeat them for our listeners. So the first one is identifying the emotion, correct? Yeah, absolutely. The second one is making sure that it links up with value. Yes. And then the third one is actually developing a plan for encouraging people to feel that emotion. Before we move on to that third step, um, I want to emphasize the second one because I think it's really important. There's a lot of work that goes on in customer experience and marketing and business in general where we don't take the time to make sure that that we've got an end state in mind where we've not tied this back to some specific goal. You can make people feel very good about your company in ways that don't affect the bottom line and that don't improve the performance of your company. That's that's easy to do. So I, I think that that is, it's important to make your customers happy. It's more important to make your customers happy in a way that improves your company's performance. So link those things together. And, and I would even go so far as to say, this is, that is the key reason why a lot of programs don't succeed. Because first of all, no one has defined what success looks like, yeah? And therefore, how is it going to be measured and everything else? And people are just doing stuff as opposed to doing specific stuff. And the stuff may sound good and it may sound interesting, but if it's going to move the dial in an area that doesn't drive value, then why in the hell are you doing it, basically? No, so. no I, I think that there's a lot of kind of arbitrary metrics that we move towards, um, you know, oh, well, we've got to, you know, increase the turnaround time on calls in our call center. And here's all these various reasons for why we do that. And even when we get to something which is kind of a, a loftier goal, oh, we want to make our customers happier or, you know, feel something, unless those are connected to, to a driver of value, it, it, it ends up not really mattering, right? Increasing the turnaround time for your, your call center may not actually be connected to anything that matters. No, absolutely. And again, it can change by segment. So let's just take a couple of those examples that you've just given there. So, you know, average call handling time or the number of time that a, a car is, a digital online car is abandoned. Why is it being abandoned? And now you're getting into going, well, are you measuring how the customer is feeling at that particular point? We talked about this a little while ago, didn't we, on the podcast, which was because it happened to me yesterday. I went to see um, a movie and in small print at the bottom, it said that there was a two pound online booking fee. Okay. And I thought, oh, I just get so annoyed. And then we went to a to a restaurant afterwards and for a small bottle of coke it was like six dollars and there was no refills it's not like i can't afford it but it just annoys me sure. you know no, of course uh, so the point i'm trying to make here is 
that you first thing is you've got to start measuring emotions. So you've got to start and and you've got to measure those at a sort of strategic level, but also a very tactical level. And when you start to see something wrong, so maybe it's the number of abandoned calls that are going up, maybe it's the number of carts that are being abandoned, whatever the problem may be, maybe it's an increase in call volumes or something that's happening, then the issue becomes, why is that happening? Okay. What we know with customer emotions is that sometimes people just don't even know themselves. So you've got to try to You've got to try to identify the emotion that that customer is feeling, that negative emotion that customer's feeling. And you've then got to try to start to say, okay, well, what is it that we need to do to improve that? And sometimes it can be just your own internal measures working against yourself. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to think outside the square. Let's talk a bit about, uh, because last week we did a podcast where we had Sean Smith, who gave us a video on on language, okay? And I know that, Ryan, you and I have done a lot of work on this. And this whole area of of language is, is really important, okay? What you're saying to people and how that makes them feel. So, for example... If you're hearing that a customer is saying, and let me do this little test with you, because this was actually your work, so I'm going to test this with you. Oh, good. There's no (laughs) way this can go wrong for me. So this is a thing that we call memory maker training. This is some, and this is the first time we've revealed some of the details of this, other than obviously with the clients that we've worked for. But Ryan and I worked together on this where we basically start to go in and start to understand some of the language that customers are using and what they're saying, and we interpret, therefore, what they're feeling, which is the, the, the key thing. And, you know, what you're trying to look for here is you're trying to understand what a customer is saying. So if a customer says to you, I'm not sure, or I'm lost, or I don't understand that, or are you sure about that? Or has this happened before? Then maybe I'm being unfair. What what would you suggest that the, the customer is feeling at that point? Well, they're clearly feeling uncertainty, but that uncertainty might be a reflection of kind of a lack of trust of the organization or lack of confidence. Like, again, linking this stuff back to value, there may or may not be any problem with your customer feeling uncertain if that's why they're calling into the call center. But if that uncertainty is seems is driven by the fact that they don't trust that you can work this stuff out on your own and they need to follow up with you, like that's, I think, where we start to get into some of these more profound linkages. That seems like it's going to be a problem over and above your customer feeling uncertain. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the key issue here is that there are lots of clues that a customer is giving us, okay? And this is why context is so key all right context is king yeah understanding why the context that the customer is contacting you about the situation that they're in and being able to interpret those clues that they're giving you because the clues 
turns into sort of clusters in the conversation. So when we look at digging down into the detail of this, we're trying to identify from the customer what they're saying, so the words that they're using, how they're saying it, the speed and tone, et cetera, et cetera. Ideally, if you're looking at them, what's their face look like? What does their body language look like? And what are they doing? And you're trying to give your people the ability to be able to interpret all those things to be able to turn around and say that the customer's saying things like, I'm not sure, I'm lost, I don't think I understand, I was expecting this is a bit confusing, How did, you know, has this happened before? Absolutely, that's a, you know, they're uncertain and absolutely they're, they're not trusting effectively what you're saying. And therefore, Bob, when you get into the detail, what does that mean? Well, that means that you need to have people in the organization that can understand those things, or you've got to have a framework, which is effectively what we do, is you have a framework around these things that you can train people on. Because in my experience, it's the 80-20 rule, where 20% of the people that are your really good people will do this naturally, 80% of people you know, need training on this type of thing. I think that's a that's a great goal for your training, right? So the best case is you you hire naturally empathetic, skilled people who don't need this training. They understand, like they can pick up on the emotional states of their customers. They can respond empathetically. And if you can find a hundred percent of your employees out of that group, then great. You probably don't even need to train them. The reality is, you will never find a hundred percent of people who are like that. So you want to take these kind of average employees who I'm sure have other skill sets that are very valuable and train them up on the emotional side so that they can, they have the tools to become more empathetic, that they they can explicitly look for signals that the customer doesn't trust you, whereas they might not intuitively get that. But with enough practice, they will learn it. As we're kind of looking for these keywords and phrases to come through, we can start to catalog and figure out, oh, like that's something I need to pay attention to and respond to. Yeah, absolutely. When they do realize that customers are saying these things and they do realize that the issue is trust, the key issue then becomes, well, what should they say in return? And when I say they say, I'm talking not just again about verbal stuff. This is could be in any any communication. And now, interestingly enough, also extends on to AI because AI is going to be able to pick up these patterns. They're going to be able to analyze what customers are saying, A, verbally, but B, on social media and through other channels. They're also going to be able to pick up the numbers of times that they're contacting you, you know, and the type of call that they're now contacting you about and are going to be able to go, well, this person has said this, they've said this in their social media, they've contacted us four times. You know what, two years ago when this problem happened, they had the same issue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The output is, AI will be able to turn around and go, the output is we think our customer, you know, the customer's not being able to trust you. The key issue then becomes, what do you say? So in return. And again, this either is what do you verbally say, what do you is written down, or what are your automatic systems saying? 
because again, you know, that's where the whole lot of AI is coming. So if a customer's saying, I'm not sure, and again, this is all credit to Ryan's work, but you would say things like, I'm confident that we can do this for you. Let me assure you that you're doing this. I can promise you, I can guarantee that, or I'm certain that, which are all positive, reinforcing, creating certainty, aren't they? Yeah. And if, if you're listening to this and going, well, of course, <laughs> how can that not be? You're probably in that 20% who understands this stuff implicitly, but there are employees for whom the more natural response would be, uh, I don't know, like, let me look into it. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll get back to you. Those things do not inspire confidence and do not lead to greater trust. And that those are the people that you're aiming for with your training. We want to bring those kind of marginal or average employees up to the level where they can learn these skills explicitly because maybe they haven't learned them implicitly. Tell you what, the thing I would say, mate, is just phone your own organization up and pretend <laughs> you're a customer. Because... I tell you what, one of the one of the biggest sales tools I ever have is that when someone contacts us and says, Hey, look, we're thinking about improving our experience, one of the first things I typically do is just phone their organization. Okay. And I remember a number of cases, one that's fresh in my mind, of playing back this whole call where I was trying to ship a parcel and playing back the whole of the call to to the C-suite, the language that people were using, the the way it would got, got passed from pillar to post is just was just appalling. And people literally ended up with their head in their hands going, how in the hell do we have customers? So <laughs> if you're looking to justify it, just phone your organization. It's absolutely incredible. Because it's not just about the words, it's about the pitch, it's about the volume, it's about the speed, it's about the cadence. We as human beings, as we know, it's not just about words. We're picking up all of these these types of things, uh, which is the important part. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to interpret all these clues to be able to turn around and then turn around to the, to the customer and make them feel something else. Let me give you another example. This is some work we did, Ryan, you'll recall this stuff, for evoking cared for. Okay, so let's assume that you've got a customer. Let's assume that you've done the work, Bob, that we spoke about. So you've gone, yeah, we're trying to evoke cared for. Yeah, we can prove this drives value. How in the hell do I evoke cared for? Well, how can you tell when a customer is not feeling cared for? Well, typically a customer would say, I can't believe how long this is taking. I was put through the grill in your call center. Have you listened to what I'm saying? I've already told you no. I don't understand and I don't have the time. Why is this so difficult? You just think of those things. I mean, I've had those things said to me hundreds of times. And does that make you feel cared for? And the answer is clearly, no, it won't. Yeah. So what are the types of things that you should be saying? You should be saying, it's important to us that you're under, that you're happy with this. I want to make sure that I've answered all your questions. It's really important to me to let me know if you've got any concerns. You know, let me get straight on to that. I'm really sorry to hear about that. 
I can hear sense the you know the issues and in the last podcast we talked about feel felt found if you haven't listened to that episode I would suggest you go back and listen to it but that's something that Apple use lots of things and again let me be clear and I will get you a, a word in edgeways in a moment um <laughs> Technically, a lot of those were my words because I think you were reading some of those. You did. I've been cheating here, mate. I've been looking at the slide. And there is something underneath it that I think is really important I've just noticed, which is listen, be sincere, be empathetic, and be proactive. And proactivity is one of the key things in a lot of emotions, a lot of positive emotions you know you want customers to feel you want them to feel you're being proactive because that shows them that you care and that they can trust you and you're thinking about them you're not just thinking about yourself yeah no those those are i think (laughs) those are great points that i made (laughs) no I, i again i I would hope that people think about this from a training perspective of, you know, emotions are, are not easy for everyone. Um, it's not easy for people to kind of read, not for everyone to read emotional responses from other people or to know how to respond to them. But this, like anything else, can be taught. Um, we can learn explicitly what comes intuitively to other people if we put some time and effort into it. And I think that's true of Almost anything. There are some people who intuitively are very musically talented and it takes very little effort for them to do. Uh, Other people really need um, a lot of explicit training and practice to do it, but everyone can get better from where they are. Yes, no, absolutely. And whilst we've concentrated on the language side of things today, Bob, as we said at the top, there are things from just a process perspective. If you're getting a customer to call 27 different contact centers or to go on to you know different websites to put in a fault or a problem ticket or whatever it may be then that shows them that you don't care about them if you say to them yeah we'll respond to you within seven weeks that shows them that you don't really care about them so it's those things as well that are very practical things that you can do to make a customer feel cared for and any of the things and and Ryan, uh, with the work that he's done has, and that we've done, has pulled these things together and you can start to train people on what those look like. And moreover, and we haven't even touched journey mapping, to be totally honest with you, at each of the journey mapping points, how do you make a customer feel cared for or trust? What are they feeling at the moment at this, at this transactional point? Yeah, that's, that's the advanced next step, right? So once we kind of get our arms around emotions, how to read them, how to encourage people to feel them, the next two stages are, are looking at the, across the journey and how those emotional states change and how our, our goals for our customers' emotions change. Uh, and then the point that you raised earlier, which is segmentation. Different people will respond differently to different situations. They'll feel different emotions and they'll there will be different things that will trigger emotions in people. So one of the examples that I use, and I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but there's a, a grocery store in, I think in Denmark, but they, they made international news by implementing certain lanes in the grocery store where the goal is to allow patrons to have long extended conversations with the, the clerk, right? So you go in and people just want to have a chat. And so as they're, they're scanning your groceries and bagging them up and 
those employees are told, do not rush those customers along, right? If they want to have a, a nice long chat and catch up and that one action by this store generated a lot of really positive emotional response from certain segments of the market. <laughs> I was right? going to say, not for me, really they wouldn't. Value them. <laughs> Can so you imagine getting in that line when you want a quick experience? <laughs> that would be endlessly frustrating to me, right? So, so the same action taken by, in this case, a store would produce to very different emotional responses from different segments of the market. There are people who would love that. Like they miss the personal touch that used to exist in retail. They, they miss forming relationships with people in their community through you know shopping that they do. That was really valued. Then there are people like me who don't want to have to pause the podcast they're listening to to have to make small talk with the clerk. I just want to be in and out. And neither of us is right or wrong. It's just different segments who have different preferences. So as you are trying to, to instill different emotional states in people, consider your segmentation. We have this goal of an emotion. We want, we want our customers to feel certain things, to feel trust or to feel cared for. But how you get there will depend on the journey that they're on and the segment that they're in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Okay, so Bob, we hope that's been of, of use to you. If anybody wants to talk about any of this work um, further, then please just uh, contact us. Um, you can do that through email. Just uh, write to contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, thanks, everyone. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.